Glory. Thank you for a wonderful time of worship, and thank you, ladies, for leading us tonight. The book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, but then I also want you to turn to Daniel chapter 5 and verse 21, because Daniel chapter 5, verse 21, there is a phrase in that verse that is the key to the entire book of Daniel. Tonight in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to begin our study by looking at what it means to live as an exile. What it means to live as an exile. And let's be reminded of something. You and I are exiles. <laughs> Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, calls Christians exiles in this world. We are pilgrims just passing through. We are on a pilgrimage. This is not a place we are to feel at home at and settled down in. We are on our way home. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to appear from there. So in the book of Daniel, you and I, every chapter that we go through each Wednesday night, we're going to be reminded of two things each week. One is that we should be comforted by the sovereignty of God. That's what you find in Daniel chapter 5, verse 21. Look at it with me, please. I want you to especially note these eight words at the end of verse 21 of Daniel 5. The most high God, the highest God, the supreme God, the one who is overall rules over human kingdoms. He has absolute mastery over the kingdoms of this world. And his will will be accomplished. And his glory will be seen. And we have to remember that in our day and age. The hope that this book promotes is that all, at all times throughout history, the Most High God is ruling and reigning over the realm of mankind. So if there's a phrase I want you to lock into for the next 12 weeks as we study the book of Daniel, it would be Daniel 5.21. The Most High God rules over the kingdom's of mankind. With that said, if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, I want to show you three times, even in Daniel chapter 1, where the Lord's hand, the Lord's influence, the Lord's power, the Lord's presence is there. And what we need to realize as Christians, and, and we even sang about it tonight in the song Waymakers, even when we don't see or perceive that God is working or moving, He is. And many times he works underneath the surface or behind the scenes, and that's where we walk by faith, not by sight. But notice these three instances in Daniel chapter 1 where God is ruling and in charge of everything. The first is found in verse 2. The Lord delivered King Jehoiakim of Judah into the power of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Don't miss that. 
King Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom of Babylon would have never had any power over the kingdom of Judah had not the Lord, the one who rules over all kingdoms, delivered his people into the hands of a foreign government. Okay? Secondly, look at verse 9. Then God made the overseer of the court officials sympathetic to Daniel. Notice that God is even in how others who don't even know him perceive us as God's people, especially if we're walking with him as Daniel was. That's a key, too, and we'll talk about that. The word sympathetic means to be in good standing with this government official, to be looked upon admirably or favorably. In other words, Daniel had the favor of the overseer of the court of Babylon. How did that come about? God made that happen. God made that happen. So again, God is in all of it. And then verse 17. Now as these four young men, now as for these four young men, notice the next two words, God endowed them with knowledge and skill and all sorts of literature and wisdom. And Daniel had insights into all kinds of visions and dreams, and we'll talk obviously more about that, not only tonight, but in the weeks come. God gave them this ability so that they then could rise and be elevated to top positions in the kingdom of Babylon. Who was doing all this? God. God was, you see. And, and you and I need to have the hope that, that God is working even in the darkest times. Because, folks, this was a tragic and dark time in Israel's history. This was not a high point. And yet God was there throughout it all. God, God was in it to take them into exile. God was with them all the 70 years they were in exile in Babylon, and God was with them as they left and came back home. God was with them all the time. And even for those that did not choose to go back as they should, God was with them too. That's what the book of Esther is about. Because they were still there instead of going back home. See, even when his people weren't following him, God was still faithful. And God's purposes were still going to be accomplished. And even when the world was being turned upside down in these people's lives, as maybe you might think your world is being turned upside down, uh, you know, God is still working. And his glory is still there. And his plan is, is going forward. You and I just need to have the kind of commitment to God and the faith in God that Daniel and his friends had. So besides being comforted by the sovereignty of God throughout this book, the other thing that you and I are going to face each week is the challenge of Daniel's example. Daniel is going to challenge us how to live in times of crisis, how to live as a God follower, as an exile, someone who doesn't feel like they fit in, who's sort of a foreigner, an outsider. This is not our home. We're just passing through. That was where Daniel and his friends were at. So let's look at it here briefly. If you go back up 
to chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem and laid it under siege. Now the Lord, the ruler of the whole earth, Adonai, the Lord, delivered or literally placed King Jehoiakim of Judah into the hands or power of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Again, Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom of Babylon would have never had the power to overpower the people of God if God had not delivered them into his hand. And why did he do that? Why did God do that? Because he was being true to his word. He was fulfilling a promise. God long ago told his people very clearly, he says, if you follow me and you obey me, you will live in my blessing and favor. But if you forsake me, if you turn your back on me, there will come a point where I will raise up a foreign nation and they will be my hand of discipline in your life to bring you back to me. Because that's ultimately what God's goal was. Not to turn his people away from him, but to get their attention and to turn their hearts back to him. So think about it. How is God using even the events in our world and in our country today to try to get people's attention and to turn people's hearts back to him? And just as we sung about, the things of earth will grow strangely dim if we keep our eyes on the Lord. Verse 2, he brought them to the land of Babylonia, to the temple of his God, and even put the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, who was in charge of his court officials, to choose some of the Israelites who were of royal and noble descent, young men in whom there was no physical defect, who were handsome, well-versed, or gifted in all kinds of wisdom, well-educated and having keen insight, and were capable of entering the king's royal service. Let me stop there. Who are they looking for? The best. You know what? The world wants the best. Many times as Christians, we're not giving the king of kings the best. The world grabs our best, but we need to make sure that we're giving our best to the Lord, you see. And there's going to be that conflict as we see down through the book of Daniel. They were to enter the king's service, literally, they were going to be trained to stand before kings. Think about that. You and I, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we get to stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords every day. And throughout our Christian life, he is training us and growing us to be a servant in his hands an instrument that he can use in this world to draw people to him and to bring him glory. Now notice at the end of verse 4, part of the process here was indoctrination. 
They literally were going to try to indoctrinate these young men who were taken from Judah to Babylon into their culture, into their language. As we're going to see in a moment, they changed their names. They're going to teach them the literature and language of the Babylonians, as well as verse 5, the king's going to assign them a daily ration from his royal delicacies and from the wine he himself drank, which, by the way, was offered to idols. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And then notice they were to be trained for the next three years. Why? Because it was a privilege and an honor to stand before a king and to be a servant of the king. You and I need to remind ourselves we are a servant of the king. And we have the privilege and honor of coming before him and making ourselves available to him every day. And so however he wants to train us and grow us so that we can bring him honor and glory, we should be willing to do that. All to Jesus, I surrender. As it turned out, verse 6, among these young men, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, before we go any further, I want to stop here. Young men. How old were these young men? Probably between 12 and 14 years of age. You remember when you were 12 to 14? How would you have handled being taken from your homeland, from your family, everything you know, your culture, your language, and all of that, and taken to a foreign country and gone there? Survive for the next 70 years. And I think it's also a challenge to us as parents and even grandparents who especially in our day and age and especially in America, we do everything we can to supply our children and grandchildren with everything that they may want or need physically or materially, but are we providing a spiritual foundation? Because it is very obvious when you study the book of Daniel that Daniel and these three of his friends, they must have had a tremendous spiritual foundation. And that not only says something about them, but it says something about the home that they were brought up in and the kind of parents and grandparents and family influence that they had to not only be able to do what they did, to be taken from everything that they knew and put in a foreign country, that they not only survived there, but they thrived there. And they stayed committed to their God at the age of 12, 13, and 14. That's a challenge. We need to make sure that we have a strong spiritual foundation in our life so that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our situation is, we're strong enough to navigate it and bring God glory in it and even to be used by God to draw other people to him as Daniel and his three friends were. Because here's the deal. You and I are going to be living in, a, in an age now in, in this world that is going to be constantly fluid and constantly changing. 
And though we never want our circumstances to change, we, we always want everything the same so that we can sort of get comfortable and just put our lives on cruise control. God is saying to us as his people today, as he would have back then, I don't want you to be that kind of people. I want you to learn through me to be the kind of people that no matter what situation is thrown at you, no matter what circumstances are thrown at you, you can rise to the occasion through me and in me. And as I said many weeks ago in my other series, instead of praying for easier circumstances, God wants stronger people. And that's Daniel. And that's these other three young men. Notice verse 7, the overseer of the court officials renamed them. He gave Daniel, whose name was God is my judge, the name Belteshazzar, which means Bel, a god of the Babylonians, protect him. Hananiah, whose name was God has been gracious, is renamed Shadrach, the command of Aku, who was another god of the Babylonians. Mishael, whose name means who is what God is, was named Meshach, who is what Aku is. And Azariah, whose name means the Lord has helped, was renamed Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, another god of the Babylonians. Part of the indoctrination. But now we come to another part of the story. And here's what I want us to see tonight. The book of Daniel is telling us how to live as exiles. And what Daniel teaches us is this. We as Christians or God followers, no matter what time in history we live in, cannot choose to fight over every battle. We've got to choose our battles based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit, based upon... the strategy of trying to reach people for God, as well as staying true to God. I cannot fight every battle. So I've got to choose my battles very strategically and carefully. So you'll notice in Daniel, Daniel and his friends don't fight over their names being changed. They don't fight over the other indoctrination of learning the culture and literature and history and and even the, the history of their gods and all of that, they're, they're fine to sit there and do all that. But where Daniel drew the line and said, nope, this is where I must make my stand, is when they asked him to compromise his worship of God, where they asked him to do something that would be displeasing to God. Then he said, I got to take a stand which is what verse 8 is all about. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine. Why was that a deal? Because these were offered to the idols. And, and Daniel felt very clearly that this would have been idolatry on his part. And so the Bible says he made up his mind. It literally means to set upon one's heart. It refers to a deep inner resolve. 
And let me say this, what we're going to learn throughout the book of Daniel is this, every one of us makes decisions and choices every day based on one of two principles, or one of two factors, I should say it that way, since principle is one of the things. We either make our choices and decisions based upon internal principle or external pressure. It's the only way we make decisions and choices. Either I'm doing what I'm doing because I feel internally it is the right thing to do or because I'm being pressured to do it from outside. And Daniel obviously was in a place, even as a very young man, where he was being pressured to eat things that were offered to idols. And he said, I cannot do that. He didn't fight every battle, but he had a great commitment to the Lord because there's going to be times as we live as exiles that we can let that go, that go, that go, that go, but there, no, I can't cross that line. I can't. Where you know that if you make that choice or you don't make that choice, whatever side, that you will displease the Lord by doing it or not doing it. But you and I have to have that deep inner resolve. Otherwise, the external pressure sometimes gets so great that we'll do it anyway if that deep inner resolve isn't strong enough. And that goes back to having a strong spiritual foundation where we say, I won't fight that battle, I won't fight that battle, I won't fight that battle, but that one, yep, that's the one I'm going to fight. And that's what Daniel did. But now I want you to notice, and this is so important, especially in our day and age, where even amongst Christians and God's people, we can become so combative. I want you to notice how Daniel approached fighting this battle. Because that is a key as to why he was looked at favorably by a non-believer. Okay? So what this also teaches is it's sometimes not the stand that we take, but how we take the stand that is just as important as the stand itself. Because notice how Daniel handles this. First of all, in verse 8, it says, He therefore asked the overseer of the court officials for permission not to defile himself. He didn't get ugly about it. He didn't go to the court official and says, I'm not going to, how dare you ask me to, no. He goes to his authority in Babylon, who's not even a God follower, and says, I would like to have your permission to do this. Then, verse 9, God made the overseer of the court official sympathetic to Daniel. See, you and I have to trust that if we, through our commitment and faith to God, make a stand that God then will work the back channels because he's the God who rules over the kingdoms of men and every man in those kingdoms. And the king's heart, as well as every other heart, is in the hand of the Lord, and he can turn it however he wants to. So God made this overseer sympathetic towards Daniel, enough to at least grant him an audience and listen to his request. But he responded to Daniel, verse 10, I fear my master, the king. 
He is the one who has decided your food and drink. What would happen if he saw that you look malnourished in comparison to the other young men your age? If that happened, you would endanger my life with the king. So basically, he goes back to Daniel and says, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, again, how does Daniel handle that? He doesn't throw up his hands and go, well, he doesn't attack him. He doesn't make him feel bad. He respects his response, even though he might have wished for another response. But here's what also faith does. Faith doesn't take the first no as the final answer. Faith is persistent. Faith is creative. So notice what Daniel does in verse 11. Daniel then spoke to the warden whom the overseer of the court officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael. In other words, he appeals to a higher authority. And I think he does that because, again, he's showing respect to the other guy who declined, but he's also saying maybe I can go up the chain of command and get a favorable response there. You see what Daniel's doing? He, in no way is he ever coming across combative or disrespectful at all to those whom he's trying to deal with. Just the opposite. So Daniel spoke and says in verse 12, Please test your servants for 10 days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Let us have this diet rather than the diet of the king that has been sacrificed to idols. By the way, why does Daniel make that request? Because not only is faith committed, Daniel's a committed young man, not only is faith persistent, but faith is confident. When you and I have faith in God, we will be confident. Because why? Because we know that what we're doing is going to be backed up by God. It's backed up by his word. And his word is trustworthy. His word is reliable. His word is dependable. And Daniel just knew, you test us because God, God's going to have our back. Please give consideration to your servants for 10 days. It was a reasonable request, too. It wasn't something out there like, I'm never going to eat this food ever again. He said, let's, let's just test. Just give us a test. Okay? And then notice in verse 13, the total transparency and trust in them. It wasn't, we'll make the call. He even gives them the power and authority. It's all them. You make the call. After 10 days, you compare our appearance with that of the, all the other young men that are being trained to stand before the king, and you, you have the last word. If, if you feel like we don't look any better, and we start to look, you know, a little malnourished and not up to snuff for what it should be to stand before the king, then we'll back off. And why does Daniel do that? Again, because Daniel's confident that the faith that he's putting to the test will come through. By the way, faith is only proven when it is tested. We can say we have a lot of faith, but it's only when our faith is being tested do we know how strong and how much faith we have. So, verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their appearance was better. 
and their bodies were healthier than all the young men. And this wasn't just, this was hundreds of young men who were being trained, hundreds, who had been eating the royal delicacies. What's that tell us? God honors our faith and our commitment to him because God is in charge and God rules. And God is just looking for people, even a few, a remnant, who will step out and trust him while we're in exile and while we're in, while we're in crisis, but who will do it in a God-honoring way, who won't be nasty, who won't be harsh, who won't be combative, but will be very respectful, will understand the chain of command and the authority that they're living under and know and trust God enough to work in those people's lives if God wants it all to work out. That God will work within the system, not outside the system, to accomplish what he wants to do. So the warden, verse 16, removed the delicacies and the wine from their diet and gave them a diet of vegetables instead. And now as these four young men, God also then honored them even more. He endowed them with the knowledge and skill in all sorts of literature and wisdom. He gave them the ability to absorb and apply knowledge. He gave these young men supernatural ability to be able to comprehend and have insight in order to teach others. And he gave Daniel the ability to give understanding to visions and dreams. And we're going to see that come into play next week. Verse 18, when the time appointed by the king arrived, the overseer of the court officials brought them into Nebuchadnezzar's presence to stand before the king. Think about it. Hundreds of these young men who had been brought from all these nations around the world because Babylon was now the ruler of the world at that time, the most powerful nation. And all of them had come as young men to be trained for the king's service from all over the world. And when the king spoke, with these four young men from Judah, he did not find among the entire group anyone like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. God's favor equals earthly distinction. Let me repeat that. God's favor upon your life and my life will equal earthly distinction. When God puts his hand upon someone, we will stand out. And why does God do that? Not to exalt us for exalting us' sake, but to make us conspicuous so that he can use our life and our influence to draw other people to him, which is exactly what Daniel and these three friends of his did. All we need to do, as we even worshiped about tonight, is just seek first the kingdom of God. And all those other things, they'll take care of themselves. If we run after God and pursue him, everything else will take care of itself. We won't have to worry about, you know, this position and that position and getting in there and getting in. It'll all, because God will be the one to elevate and exalt 
and put us in places. We don't have to, to do that on our own because God is very capable of putting his people where he wants them because he rules. Think of the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Just like Daniel in his three events, he, he took these nobodies who were captives, don't forget, and raised them up to a high level of influence in the kingdom of Egypt, as Joseph was concerned, or in the kingdom of Babylon. God can do that. But God is looking for some people that have enough commitment to him and faith to him to live properly as exiles in this world and to know how to handle themselves even if their whole world is turned upside down and no one's world was turned more upside down than Daniel and his three friends. You and I have never went through anything like Daniel. We've never been plucked from our homeland and taken to a foreign country and just dropped there and said, there, survive. New culture, new language, new religion, new everything. You got to navigate it all. How would we do? And that's why our study of Daniel will not only be an encouragement and give us hope because of the sovereignty of God, but it will be a challenge every week by the example of these young men. Notice this. They entered the king's service. Literally, they stood before kings, the end of verse 19. But you know why it was easy for them to stand before King Nebuchadnezzar and other kings? Because they had already in their heart stood before the king of kings. And when you and I are in the presence of the king of kings every day, standing before earthly kings is no big deal because we're standing before the real king of it all, you see. And when we can navigate standing in the presence of the king of kings, then earthly leaders, that's nothing at all. In every matter, in all that was required of them, verse 20, of wisdom and insight, anything that they needed for their responsibility to be in the king's presence and be his servants, he found them to be 10 times better than any of the magicians and astrologers or wise men that were in his entire empire. Who made them 10 times better? God did. God did all that. So that they stood out. God's hand was upon these young men because of their faith and commitment to him. And because of the way they handled their situation, God made them stand out. And then I love this, verse 21. Daniel lived on until the first year of Cyrus, the king, who, by the way, wasn't the king of Babylon. He was the king of Persia. What's that tell us? That tells us that Daniel had a very long run of influence in the Middle East, which is why I personally believe when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and those wise men came from where they did, they came because of the influence of Daniel and his friends in that part of the world. They had brought the Old Testament scriptures and the understanding of Jehovah and Yahweh to that part of the world so that those wise men actually were interested and looking for the coming Messiah. In fact, this verse teaches us how Daniel had a continual and immeasurable influence through his life. 
Because let's face it, you and I, thousands of years after Daniel was on this earth, you and I, by even studying the book of Daniel tonight, are still being influenced by his life. And God wants that to be an encouragement to us. That if we will simply be as committed and as faithful to God as Daniel and his friends would be, we wouldn't have to worry about our legacy. God will use our life long after we are gone from this earth, just as Daniel, to still inspire and motivate other people towards God if we live right. That there will be people who will pass down stories and testimonies about how you and I navigated years like 2020 and maybe even 2021 rose to the occasion and how the people of the Oasis and the people of this community and, and all of that, what we were able to do and to accomplish, no matter what the circumstances. Because our God is the same God. The God of Daniel is the God of today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my friends, God was with us before this ever started. God has been with us throughout this whole ordeal, and God will be with us till it's over. And whatever the rest of our lives on this earth looks like, God will be right in the midst of it. Because God has a plan and purpose for this earth, and he rules in the kingdoms of men. Do not be discouraged or disheartened by all of the political upheaval around the world and all the different things that are happening. Keep your eyes on God and realize that he is working out his purposes. And even back to chapter 5, verse 21, I'll close with this. Notice what it even says at the end of verse 21 that I did not point out the first time. It says, the most high God rules over human kingdoms, and he, the most high God, appoints over those human kingdoms whomever he wishes. No one on earth in any earthly kingdom has ever come to power or been in power that God has not either placed there or allowed to be there. God is on his throne, my friends. We rejoice in that. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight that you have encouraged your people tonight, God, by reminding us again that you rule over all that you are the most high God, that you are in every detail of life on this earth and that nothing escapes your notice or is outside of your control, God. And that we can trust you in the midst of the most craziest of times. Even when our world seems to be turning upside down, I can only begin to imagine what was going through the minds and hearts of those young men from Judah who were pulled away from their parents and their families, who were taken at such a young age many, many thousands of miles away to a foreign country where they knew nobody, they didn't know the language, they knew nothing, God, and they were dumped there 
And yet, God, how they thrived. They did not allow their circumstances or their situation in life to get the best of them or to dictate to them or to define them and who they were. They simply continued to commit themselves to you and to live for you no matter where they were and allow you, God, to use them. God, I just pray that we would be challenged to be the same kind of people. No matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstance, no matter where we find ourselves in, God, that we would simply just be God worshipers who are willing to worship you and lay it all on the line for you, no matter where we're at and what we're involved with, God. May we accept that challenge today. And as we move through the book of Daniel, God, would you continue to encourage us and inspire us with this great book and these great lives. But most of all, God, may we be inspired by you, the Most High God, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. We'll see you next week.